literally it's that moment that I had when I was in Gary Vee's office in New York, chatting to him, having a wine, looking out the window. Your life can be anything you want it to be. Don't limit it. It, it whatever the thing that limits us, these limiting beliefs were put into our brains. We're not it, from just how we live our lives through societal things. It's not true. You can be whoever you want to be. You can be wherever you want to be. You can make your life whatever you want it to be. You genuinely can. And I've been saying this a lot, but biggest learning i've had from life is that fuck man just go for it believe in yourself make it happen dreams do come true and not only dreams can come true your dreams can come true so getting as many people to understand that's possible and then finding ways to do that like if i look at my life for example i didn't dream of having a laser hair removal business but having that business has allowed me to then meet gary v to start podcasting to meet people like you to you know get paid to speak at events that sort of stuff just set a goal and work for it. And I'm telling you, believe in yourself, visualize the process, visualize your goals, anything's possible. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to another episode of A Lot To Talk About. It is your boy, the captain of the ship, the man in charge, Bradley J. Driver. Of course, call me Brad. Blessed to be here. New studio if you're watching this because it's not my space. Very beautifully set up, um, courtesy of today's guest, who I'm very excited to chat to. A young fella who is an amazing entrepreneur, founder of a business called Happy Skin Co. He's just a weapon as a speaker, a weapon in business. As I'm learning right now, not half bad as a runner as well. A <laughs> um, little bit of pre-chat, but very excited to be here. Um, host of a podcast called Love. Um, Life, Money, and Love. Life, Money, Love. Yep. Sorry, yep. lost Good. it there. But just really excited I get to be on his show today. He's on mine, so we're kicking it off with me. Ladies and gentlemen, from your home, your car, or wherever you are, give a very warm welcome to the one, the only, Mr. Dylan Mullen. Oh, you're too kind, man. You're putting all these tags, and I'm not sure if I can live up to the hype, but I'll do my best. And uh, comparing me to you as a speaker, man, I think you're such an inspirational guy, man. I, I just The way you speak and you share your message with the world is, is an inspiration for me as well to continue developing my skills as a speaker and just talking about what, what I'm passionate about and what I believe in as well. So thanks for inviting me on. It is an honor to be on your podcast and have a chat with you, man. So I'm excited. Bro, I appreciate it so much. It's such kind words. And um, I sort of said to you before, hopefully my brain is up to scratch today. <laughs> yeah. I feel absolutely rooted after this week's running yeah, efforts. I bet. But very excited to be here. Very pumped. The thing that stood out to me was I started to see you pop up a fair bit. Um, we've actually had a few similar guests on yep. each other's shows. Who have we, who have we crossed over um, Jade Spooner. Oh, um, legend. Isaac John. Legend. Um, Jade was more recent for me too. Okay. Really loved that chat. And she was probably my first in a long time in the business world. And I really enjoyed the way that the flow of that chat was. And I think we live in a society in 2022, especially with the last two years, where people are starting to get more comfortable with that idea of the old nine to five is, isn't as safe as it once was. Um, maybe we give our own passions you know, a go. Maybe we actually have a crack at those dreams that we've been thinking about and sort of plotting for a little while. And I think your business is a big part of that. So I'm really interested to dive into your story today. Mm -hmm. um, I think probably similar to what you do on your show, a common theme as I start with each guest is really to dive into childhood and give some context on why you are the man you are today. And if I look back on my childhood, I would say that I was more creative than entrepreneurial, but always had little business ideas. And whether it's a lemonade stand or you know, you're trying to sell bloody drawings around the house at home, I'd be really interested to dive into what your foundations as a young man look like mm. and where those first notes of maybe business or entrepreneurial interest started. 
I tell you, man, it, w w I was never uh, into business as a kid, specifically. Um, I, I wasn't on my radar until well after high school at all. But one thing stands out in my childhood from back when I was such a little kid and still rings so true today. I've always just been such an incredibly ambitious person. Um, and when I mean ambitious, I just mean if I have a goal in my head or if I have an idea of what my life can look like, I cannot settle for anything but a 10 out of 10. I, I absolutely want to have as much fun as I can in this life maybe make it a lot of money, but it's not even about that. It's just whatever I think is the best, most interesting thing for me to chase. I want to do that. That didn't look like business until well after school. Like, and, and you made that point about how now we're starting to realize that the nine to five isn't as safe as possible. Yeah, that that's one part of it. But also I feel like more people are realizing how much else is possible out there. And you're just in another example of that. You were, you could have chased the money in real estate. There's people making millions of dollars in real estate. You're already doing really well in that career in the first couple of years. And then you realize, fuck, am I really going to be happy chasing this for the next five, 10 years of my life? No. And you decide I'm going to go all in on podcasting, speaking, all that stuff. And I guarantee in the first two years of doing that, you're not going to earn as much money as if yeah. you're chasing real estate full time. But it's something that you, you, you really enjoy. And I'm sure you decided this is what I'd rather wake up and do every day than, you know, chase the dollars in something like real estate. Um, so I think that's that's so important and people sharing their stories about how they get to live their life and chase their passions is another way that helps unlock and shift the perspective and people can think, you know what, why? Because we're just taught, we're ingrained from school from like to just like, it's, I, I don't want to ever seem like I'm hating on the education system not, and I'm certainly not hating on people having a nine to five, but it's like the way everything's set up, it like it, it gets into your head to like make people, you know, worker bees and, and, and that's fine. That's how the system works. But if you are someone that... Um, thinks that, you know, I'm not, I'm not actually fulfilled doing, doing, going through the motions, you know, I might be an accountant or a builder or whatever it may be. I'm not really happy going through the motions anymore. You can look around you and look at the success other people have had and just not necessarily like massive amounts of success. I'm not talking about making millions of dollars, but people forging their own path that's based around their own interests and their own core beliefs and what they want to do with their life. Um, so I think that's a massive shift and, and it's exciting to continue to watch that happen and evolve for people. But going back to your question, my childhood, I agree so much, man. It's such an important pillar in what makes us us. I, I, I can attest to that myself. Now, I said I've always been a really ambitious person. I think what that was linked to and, and another thing that I've always had, and I, and this is coming from like I was some skinny, rang a guy, white skin, freckles. Like I wasn't, I should have been like bullied. Not as in no one should be bullied, but you would have thought I would be some shy, awkward kid. I, I wasn't, man. And, and, and I'll tell you why I really think that was is because I, I grew up for the first five years of my life, I lived with my mum and my grandparents. And no matter how much success I have in my life, wherever I travel, whatever I do, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Those first year, five years of my life will always be the most special years of my life because I got to, I was surrounded by so much love every single day and I was never, ever, ever told I couldn't achieve anything. I was always told I can and you're doing so well. And I was always encouraged to follow what feels good to me. And they set up an environment that allowed me to be me and chase that. And they just poured so much love into me. Like my mom sacrificed everything for me. Um, my grandparents, my granddad, my granddad was my hero. He was my best friend. He was my father figure. He was my hero all in one. Um, and just being surrounded by so much love and support, um, it, it got inside of me and, and, and nothing else from my whole life from that point could penetrate it. And I can't take credit for that of course I've um, expanded on that and developed that and I feel like going through school and doing quite well in school helped reinforce that but it all started with the amount of support and love I was showered with um, when I was you know when I was a kid and what they say the zero to seven that's like the imprint 
years like that's where we you know become such core parts of our personality develop and we hold on to them for life and if they're if they're good things that's really awesome but if they're bad things it can take a lot of work to undo those sorts of things so yeah i i, I definitely agree and i i know my personal my childhood and my family support around me has definitely been a massive pillar in me being able to become the man i am and continue to hopefully grow and even further Mate, that's so beautiful to hear and I echo that and I feel that because I had such a beautiful childhood as well and I'm so blessed. Like I look back on it, especially now I'm 26. How old are you? Uh, 29. 29. So you get to this age in your late sort of mid, mid to late 20s where you're getting closer to the age where your parents would have had you or around that sort of age where you start to think about your future and children and all of those things. And the older I get, the more I appreciate how much hard work they put in in those early years how much they sacrifice, how important that foundation is. And it's something that as I listen to more podcasts, as I listen to more people share their story, it's become really clear to me how important those first seven years are. Mm. Whether it's trauma that you experience, whether it's love, adulation, belief that you experience from the people around you, it definitely sets you up. And I think childhood becomes either a very clear indication of why you are the way you are, or it becomes a contradiction where you go, I experience this. I want to have the opposite experience in my own personal life when I'm in control. Um, but it sounds like very similar to me. You were just supported and championed and it's why you're so successful now, or at least a part of it. When you talk about growing up in, I guess, you know, you're in an e-commerce world, right? Which growing up around grandparents, they would not understand. Not at all. Um, you know, even probably mum to a certain degree doesn't understand. Like my, I would say my mum's relatively tech savvy. Yep but I'm still trying to educate her on how to post a carousel on Instagram <laughs> as opposed to 10 posts in a night. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there is a barrier there. When, within those sort of early years of your childhood, did they, like talking to them now, did they say, we've seen you being successful or they just seen you being happy, healthy? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know how to say this without coming across like a dick and I don't mean it like that, but I was talking to an old friend um, from high school Randomly, haven't sp like this girl. I went to, to primary school with her and high school. Like we were really good friends when the kids, and you know you how you don't talk to people as much. And she's a cop, so you obviously saw the, the tragedy that happened. In, in yeah. Prison. Fuck, it's so messed up, so sad. But just talking to her about that and like how sad those events were, and she just goes, "Oh, by the way, I obviously haven't talked to you for a while. Congratulations on um, like the success that that you've had. Like I always knew you would do special things, Dylan. And it's 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 a weird thing to say without like I don't know how to say it." But I'd be lying if I said anything else. My, my my parents, my family, people around me always did say, "No, I believe you're going to do special things, Dylan. Like you, you you're going to, you know, be extremely successful." And like, I I always believed that myself. And like, how can you not believe that if you're being told that by your family, by your friends, and by your teachers? Mm. Um, so I think it also is a self fulfilling prophecy. Like, if whatever you believe or whatever you perceive to be your future will inevitably inevitably become it. Um, so they did, but it was never business, man. I. I I didn't come from a family that had a lot of money. No one in my family ever had started their own business um, that I'm aware of. I don't know going back how far. My my parents, my family, everyone has just had jobs and, and work, like my mum works for NRMA. She's worked for them. That's like she's had one job. She's worked for NRMA Insurance like the whole time. Like just business was never in the DNA of, of my family. Um, so when I was in school, because I was quite good in school and looking back I was definitely not the smartest person at school far 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 from it but I've always just had a knack for figuring out how to how to how to do things or like figuring out um like how to win in a certain situation so school if 
from from my perspective was about two things if you want us to get good marks how well you can remember things yeah. like how you study and how you can remember them and then how well you can write them or articulate them and i got really good at those two things which enabled me um to, to do quite well at school um they're also the third thing i think the most important thing about school because i i I don't want to smash school the education system the most important thing even though i don't agree the things that we learn are the most important things is like the social situations and scenarios and how to navigate certain things and how to get good at certain things and how to write like it's not the information you learn at school it's the skills you develop and and the relationships you develop i believe that are the most important part um but because that because i didn't have anyone in my life that that was in business when I when I thought of I, I never thought of having a business myself. I did like business studies and legal and and that sort of subjects, but still I never thought, and it was never even on my radar. And I can't believe looking back, why why on earth like did I not ever get taught really as an option in school that you can have your own business? Like when I was in school, I thought having my own business was um, like I have a cafe or a restaurant or a trade. Like I didn't realize that literally everything you see in this room is a business obviously there's e-commerce which is a whole new business but those computer screens are a business this table these these wheels like these these wallpapers these lights the foam on the roof every single thing is a business but i just did not understand that um so me being the ambitious kid that i was i thought okay from my perspective as like a 15 year old boy uh, when you're picking your subjects for like year 11 and 12 and stuff it's like what's the best job i can get because i want to try and chase the coolest life ever um and that was being a lawyer um, because I was shit at maths and I hated maths. So I knew it wasn't going to be engineering or medicine or accounting or finance, anything like that. Um, so I, I, I pursued that. I, I, the last two years of school, I knew I was going to be a lawyer. I'm like, this is what I'm meant to be. This is 100% I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to get to wear a suit every day in the city, blah, blah, blah. I go argue with people and stuff. And then I got into to, to uni after the last three, four years of my life, knowing or believing that I'm going to be a lawyer. Like that's that's what I want to do. And I got to uni and I was actually down in Wollongong uni. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not for long, as you'll find out. Um, but the first couple of weeks was fun because, like, they, they ease you into it. And then, like, the reality check came. It's like, okay, this is really what studying was like. It's like, for a start, I lived in, like, southwest Sydney. So I'm, I didn't stay on campus down there. So I'm driving down an hour and then driving back an hour every day. Um, an intense degree as well. Int a very was, intense. Yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. And, like, I'd, I'd have to leave my house. I'd wake up at, like... 6.30, get ready, go down. I'd be at uni all day doing quite boring stuff to me, like mind-numbing stuff. Then I have to drive home. Honestly, try and not fall asleep on that drive home because it's long and boring and it's the same thing. It's a beautiful drive when you do it once. When you do it every day, it, it kind of loses that. And then I'd have like 40, 50 pages of like textbook readings and then work to do. I'm like, I'm meant to do three, four hours of this stuff every day once I've got home. And I'm with, just the thought of it was like, completely depressing me man not because i don't like to work hard but i was just like what is this stuff am i really interested in it at all my perception of what it would be like to be a lawyer and study law was completely different um and i absolutely hated it man i um i winged it through like the assignments assessments whatever they are like i did the old classic thing of starting the night before which i always did in high school um but to do that in high school you start after school you finish by like nine ten o'clock for uni you start at like the day before I'm doing all night is finishing at 8am driving down without sleeping, handing it in. Um, and then it got up to the time of like, okay, you've, uh, you've passed all those somehow. Um, it's time to like study for your exams and do your exams. And just thought the idea of it filled me with so much dread and I've never been someone, um, luckily that struggled with anxiety, but it, it almost felt like this level of anxiety was coming in. I just thought 
I'm not going to put myself through this. I had to let go of, oh, Dylan's going to be a lawyer. Of course, Dylan's going to go to uni. Um, of course, like that, that was expected of me. And like to go to uni and to, and to do good things, like I said, everyone always believed in me. And, but somehow intuitively I knew this, I don't care what anyone expects of me or what I wanted from my own life. This is not going to make me happy. I'm not going to put myself through something that's going to make me feel like this. Uh, so I dropped out of uni um, and I thought, have never done an, a drama class in my life and was never interested in creative arts, anything like that. I just hated law so much. And the idea of going to uni and studying something so dull that's going to make me depressed, there's literally no point in living life if that's the case. I thought, and this is the way I kind of get myself out of the, a hole when I'm feeling stuck, like really stuck in life. I just, the way I get out of it, and I know it's different for everyone, is set a massive goal that really excites me uh, and just go after that with everything and believe and know that I'm going to uh, fulfill that dream. So, so what's, the what's the opposite thing from, from law? Acting. So, oh, wow. yeah, I did a couple short courses just to like, around with that year um and then i'm like you know what i got hooked and um so i auditioned for some full-time like studios and then spent yeah the year after that i got into the whole acting phase of my life yeah wow yeah. that's so interesting i'm i'm, I'm gonna come back to that in a mm -hmm. second i want to quickly just shift back because so far up until this point of university it sounds like the first 18 years of your life were really joyful really positive um, really good for developing self-esteem, developing your self-confidence. Were there any stresses in your early life? Like, was there anything that <coughs> challenged you mentally to to really build yourself, to come out of a hole, to really strive for personal growth so that you could survive that period? Um, honestly, and I, ha I have this chat with my friend um, who's who's had to heal like a lot of inner child trauma. Looking back, there's nothing that stands out to me, honestly, and I can say that Honestly, of course, everyone struggles. Like, not everyone feels great all the time, but big things that I had to overcome. Um, I genuinely can't say one. I, like, I didn't grow up, I didn't meet my dad till I was 15. Like, some people say, oh, that's a thing that's, it's got to have affected you somehow. Um, and maybe it does, and maybe I'm still not aware of how, but I always looked at that as such a blessing because if I grew up in a normal household with my dad, I wouldn't have had the amazing relationship and connection I had with my grandparents. Yeah. So it's like, I never saw that. I, I suppose m my biggest struggles was just like navigating, um, trying to fit in as a kid and, and, and be cool enough to not, not be bullied and, and do well yeah. enough, like have some girlfriends and stuff like that. But it wasn't until after school where I first realized when I was probably in the ages of that uni period and then went just after when I was acting, that I realized that you can't take mental health for granted, but it wasn't, I, I, I didn't have to think about mental health until, until after school, which is in, incredibly lucky, but yeah, yeah. Tell me if this is too personal to ask, but mm. was it your choice not to meet your dad until you were 15 or was that more his choice? No, 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 it was my mum's choice. Um, and then my choice, like I was gonna meet him a probably couple, it was my mum's choice for a while, it was like, it's pretty shitty, I think, how they broke up. I don't even really talk too much about it. But um, not not too personal for me to talk about it at all. Um, and then I was going to meet him one time, and I remember it was just at like a Macca's up the road from my house. And um, he was literally there, and mum's like, oh, it's time to go. And I just got too scared, and I said, I can't do it. What so, do you think made you feel scared in that moment? Was it the fact that childhood had been so positive that this could throw a spinner in the works? It was just like... Yeah, I think that was part of it. Like, why am I doing it? Like, my life is so good, so sweet. Like, there's so much, I think there was so much expectation mm. on this moment. You're meeting your dad. Um, what is life going to be like from this point? And I really think I felt cold and complete without meeting him anyway. Yeah. 
So I didn't feel the need to do it. And then I just got really scared and anxious about it. Um, and I decided not to do it, um, which was my right uh, uh, after all. But a couple of years later, I heard a story. Um, I don't remember where or who it was from, but it was just about someone whose dad was like 50 and had a massive heart attack and died. And then it made me think, fuck, like, I don't want to never get to, 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 to meet him. So finally plucked up the courage and told my mum, yeah, let's, let's do it. But we've got a great relationship now. Like I don't like hold any grudges, believe it or not, against my dad or, or anything like that. I, I absolutely understand both sides. Um, and like I said, I'm so grateful for the life. I, I wouldn't change anything, mm. particularly for my childhood. I would not change anything. Um, the thought of not growing up surrounded by my grandparents is like the worst thing ever for me. So, yeah. I love that, man. That's so good to hear. And it's so positive. You've had a positive experience since meeting your old man. Let's go forward back to where we mm. sort of left off with the acting. Mm. So left of center. Yep. The first thing that I, that I think every time someone talks about early stages of acting is summer high tie. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. being, being in that drama room yeah. with Mr. G. Talk to me about what that done for your self-esteem, your confidence. Mm. What did you learn about yourself in that early phase of acting? Because it is a career or it is a, I guess an endeavor that really allows you to express every bit of you, mm -hmm. like whether it's playing a part or it's you being you in a part, it kind of gets everything out. And then you get to expose yourself and say, what do I like and what challenges me about myself? Mm -hmm. Man, you're so right. I grew so much from acting and it's really important that I did that to become the person I am today. If I didn't learn about myself, uh, and open myself up more emotionally, I don't think I would have been the person I am today. I would have been uh, a lot more selfish, uh, a lot more closed off. But I didn't go into it thinking I'm going to learn about myself and grow. That was what I learned throughout it. I'm so grateful that I did. But like I said, I always just thought, okay, law wasn't for me. Um, what's the coolest thing I can do? Like I just set the, like that's how I get out of a hole. I set the biggest goal possible, then set a plan to make it happen. And I thought, um, if all these people can do it that are, you know, and like you, as an 18 year old kid who's like struggling to find purpose and direction again in life, you're like, you look around, you see all these people living amazing lives. And I feel like this perspective, uh, th there's a perception with like uh, famous actors or really successful business people. It's that, and I knew I had that. And this is something I had to um, get over myself. And this is coming from someone who I said, I've always had a lot of self-belief, but I truly, this is what I believed. I thought these people like famous actors or incredibly su successful entrepreneurs, even though business wasn't even on my radar yet, but all these people, um, it was like they won a lottery. Like mm -hmm. they were just, they got to be this, they got to live this sort of life, but that cannot happen for an, for an average person. Um, but I thought, fuck it, I'm going to try anyway. Um, and I, and cause I had enough self-confidence to start and really believe that I could. Um, but I always, I remember going to auditions and this is something that I've got, been able to get rid of now. And because for me, a massive part of my success with business and my personal development journey, um, has been like the power of visualization and the law of attraction. Um, I remember going to auditions and be really excited and I, and, but like, I believed I could, could get it. I believed I could get it, but there was always this little voice in the back of my head saying like, oh, who are you for your dreams to come true? Can your dreams really come true? Um, now I know absolutely, yes, they can. Um, but going back to what I learned, I learned so much about myself in acting, man. Um, one of the most important things that we do in acting is it's a stage of the process called emotional preparation. And what that is, it's like you are finally opening yourself up to feeling all the array of emotions of a human being. And obviously as a young 20, early 20s guy, late teens guy, it's becoming more common now, but back 
what's that nine years ago 10 years ago even we didn't really guys didn't really weren't encouraged to express themselves very left of center yeah um so a lot of the guys around my age or even older or particularly older because they'd been ex living life more sheltered um and guarded off emotionally were like a lot of the girls or some like some guys who are just naturally connected emotionally will just go in they'll just cry like they'll just let it all yeah. out it took me a couple of weeks like it does for a lot of guys um and then once i allowed myself to go to these places both high and low it opened myself up to feeling how like the full array of emotions which is so part of the human experience and like i love them now that if i'm watching a movie I'll cry like it's like it's the most amazing experience to be able to feel those highs and feel those lows fully and be, be able to fully um it taught me even more something I learned about in acting and even more so in business through podcasting and, and all that but your super superpower as a human being is being yourself if you can let yourself out if you can express the uniqueness that is you and fully embrace that people are attracted to it there's a magnetism to it if you try and act like joe blow down the street or this famous influencer that you follow and you try and put on that facade it's never going to work for you you stepping into who you are is your superpower and once you can start to do that and own you and own your energy and own all your quirks that's when the world starts to make shit happen for you mate i love that so much i'm a massive fan of ben crow Okay, I don't know Ben Crow. Ben Crow, you'd love Ben Crow. So Ben Crow's a mindset coach for a bunch of athletes like Ash Barty, mm. um, Dusty Martin. He works with a bunch Sick. of really high quality athletes. And one of the things that Ben talks about a lot is that exact theory, that concept of embracing your weird mm. and like embracing exactly who you are. And it does become your superpower. It becomes your story. And that's, you know, not to bring the, you know, this here is your chat. We're talking about you, but... When I talk about my story a lot, what people think would be my biggest challenges or the things that I wish I could change for me are like massive blessings and great teachers because it's given me a story to tell. It's given me a reason to be me. And it sounds like you at all stages of your life just discover a little bit, a little bit more of who you are mm -hmm. and you embrace it really well. And it was something that stood out to me in the early clips that I watched of you and the early parts of conversations on podcasts was how how much you embraced who you were. You weren't like anyone else. It was just you were being Dylan Mullen and Dylan Mullen's all you needed to be. And I love that. I, I really back that. So you said earlier that- Before we move on, I actually remembered the moment that I, I really figured that out. I had done a few, sorry to cut you off, but no, I did a few it. like, um, it was just when I started getting invited to do podcasts and events. This would have been uh, 2019 um and i think oh yeah sweet like i get invited to do these like business uh, talk at these business events and i'd done maybe two or three prior and i went to this one i was in the city and like when you're this like mid-20s guy and you're okay i'm now this business speaker entrepreneur you kind of put on this facade of like how an entrepreneur should act and speak yeah. and talk um and like i've always been a decent chat so i was never bad i was never like embarrassing myself or anything like doing that but like something was missing and i remember doing this chat and I didn't plan to say it, it just came out in the moment. Um, I was telling a story about the early days of the business. And this was like more of a formal, like older business people, like more of a formal business event. And I was chatting and I was telling this story about, um, I was telling this story about me and my business partner, um, George, we were celebrating when like we got whatever, how many sales, can't remember what it was. And, I, and I'm speaking to this room full of business people. And I'm this guy in my mid twenties, grew up in Western Sydney. And I go, yeah, bro, that was fucking hectic. And I said the word hectic in front of all these business people. And they just like, there was this like laugh, but not laugh at me. It was like this warm embrace of 
Dude, that's exactly how it was. And I just realized the more I can just be me, speak like me, act like me, and the more I embrace that, the more people appreciated it. Like your information and your knowledge is your knowledge. You don't need to put on an act. If you can just be yourself in those moments, damn man, that changed the whole trajectory of speaking and podcasting for me for like massively. Mate, I, I love that. It's funny, I'll level you on this, right? Yeah, so no. I, for me, the first, I think, I said this recently when I, when I thought about the two and a bit years that I've been doing the podcast, I thought the podcast has really made a man out of me. Cause I think in your early twenties, it's easy to take your experience in life and think that how you respond to situations and challenges is how everyone should. Um, what I believe and know is what everyone else should believe yeah. and know. And I was, I was very confident in who I was, but I'd never really expressed who I was vulnerably, vulnerably. Yeah. And I never really been super honest about the stuff. It was maybe a bit challenging for me or made me a little bit emotional. And when I'd started the podcast, you know, I had a, a few really profound messages off the first few episodes, people talking about they thought it would save their partner's life and it allowed them to connect with the people they love and just really beautiful messages. And I thought for my fourth app, I've really got to get vulnerable myself here and really connect with the audience. And so I shared my story up until that point. And up until that point, I don't think I'd achieved anything dramatically exciting in life. And my story was just my own. And it's, you know, what had made me who I was, it was just a fabric of who I am. And mate, when I'm telling you, I had to like re-record it 10 times because I kept crying. I was so emotional. I was getting choked up on my words. And I finally got this episode out. And I remember listening back to it and just cringing because the amount of times I'd said, but, and um, and stuttered and mumbled through my words was just atrocious and I hate listening to that episode <laughs> now but it had a huge response and even to this day people message me and say hey I just listened to episode four and I loved it and like it was so beautiful to hear your story and the thing that that's taught me is that we're our own worst critic when you get comfortable with being exactly who you are the world embraces you for that not for all the little imperfections in that story along the way and it's taught me a lot and and you said there about like your use of language and trying to fit the mold i remember i get i'm a bit of an aussie bogan when i speak if you can't tell by my voice <laughs> but i probably swear a little bit too much for some people's liking and it was my 13th episode i had the comedian joe damon on and i reckon i picked up probably in the edit i reckon i said cunt about times, <laughs> right like and, and like, it's probably the, the most aggressive, you know, profanity you can use. And I thought, oh, I don't know how that's going to sit with people. And I still remember a lady I used to work with was just the loveliest human, an older lady, Mary. And at the time I was still in real estate and she walked past my desk the day after that episode released. And she's so prim and proper, would never say a word out of place. Nothing's ever out of place. Most beautiful lady. And she like loved everything I'd done. And she'd come up to me and she goes, hey, I listened to the latest episode with Joe Damon. And my, like, just, <laughs> I was choking up. I'm like, oh, what's she going to say? And she goes, so funny. I loved it. And I was like, you know what? Everyone is human. Everyone swears at home. Like, everyone shits. Yeah. Everyone farts. Like, nobody's perfect. Nobody's the prim and proper. Maybe the queen back in the day. Maybe, you know, some people of high esteem like to play that card of, you know, speaking very proper and being you know very specific with their use of language but people are human 
and people embrace you when you're being you. And so I love that message, man. It's so well said. Yeah, we're not all speaking on the BBC, you know. No, that's and it. Most people, in, particularly in Australia, aren't. And that's the thing, like, yeah, sure, maybe I want to at times tone down the swearing just because it's not like an effective form of communication. But one of my um, like biggest role models and someone I've learned a lot from is Gary Vee. I'm sure you know who he is. Yeah. Like, he still like that can't get certain work because he swears and certain people like could grow even more. But he's like, no, that's how I fucking talk. Like, mm. that's just the way it is. And like, you, us, um, completely changing the way we speak to suit. You know, to, if like try and be everything to everyone, you, you're not you're gonna lose your authenticity and it's not gonna work. So, sure. I think just own it, man. Definitely. Well, it's the only thing that sets you apart, right? Exactly. Being exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. You mentioned there before when you started acting, it exposed how maybe how you're taking your mental health for granted. Mm. Um, you spoke there about riding the highs and lows of understanding emotion and being able to express that. What did you mean by that comment of sort of exposing what you took for granted in your mental health? Well, it wasn't so much. There was two moments in my life that I realized were like um, turning points in the way that I understand mental health. Um, the first one was that um was that moment uh when i was in law hating it depressed but like i didn't even then it didn't even click i'm um depressed like anything like mentally going on there it just was like this does not feel right i've never felt like this like trap probably was but i didn't still wasn't on my radar mental health and like back then people didn't talk about mental health as much as they do now when we were in high school particularly um around guys but that one was the first time that I realized, looking back, I didn't at the time that, yeah, if you don't take care for yourself, like things can really un un unwrap uh, themselves pretty quickly. But then there was another time I was doing acting, this is probably about two years into acting. And um, I had this period where I was definitely, I think I was depressed in like looking at what the um, like symptoms are. Like I just had no drive. All I wanted to do was sleep. I didn't, I didn't get excited about the things I used to be excited about. And this probably went on for about four or five months until I caught myself. And it wasn't like a severe depression. I don't want to compare that to, to people that have really, really struggled. But I, I, I wasn't feeling myself. I wasn't excited about life. Felt very dull, very um, nothing really got me going. I just wanted to, to sleep, you know what I mean? Um, and then I realized, wait a minute, this, like I can actually, I, I realized something and, and it might not be as easy for everyone as me, but this is the way I'd, I'd realize that, wait a minute, this way I'm feeling, I can either be a victim to it or I can figure out a way out of it. And I realize like, as hard as it may be, I can control my thoughts. And if I can control my thoughts and I've stayed disciplined with what I allow myself to think about um, and the direction I, I had my life in, I will be able to dig myself out of that hole. So I approached that in two ways to help myself get through that. The one way was, like I said before, I set a massive goal. Um, and I set a plan because then it excites me. Okay, this is how I'm going to get there. So I just re-looked at where I was with acting and everything I wanted to achieve. I set some new goals, some things I wanted to do differently. And then in my head, I, I, I started this thing, which I, I, did, I had done before in my life, but I, I, I've only started to really become aware of it. And it was after going through this period uh, of like down, like a level of depression, that I've started to get really into personal development because I, I, I got hooked on trying to become the best version of myself and I realized, well, we can change this. We can control how we feel, how we think, all that sort of stuff. But I have this thing, and I remember the first time I used to use this in life, and I don't know if this, a psychologist will tell you it's healthy or if it's avoiding shit or what, but I tell you it's worked for me and it has continued to work. And it's why I'm able to um, become and, and always be such a confident person that like someone can tell me your shit and it doesn't, it doesn't penetrate. 
in my head, I have this thing called like a band list. Now, the first time I used the band list was, and this is an example everyone can relate to, you break up with a girl or a guy and you're extremely upset and you go think about them and then you get upset. You think about them, you get upset. And like, and I know that's a normal part of the process and like you need to feel that emotion to move on. But it's like, I was doing this for a, a number of weeks, right? And I'm like, why do I keep like, if I keep thinking about this person every day, I'm going to continue to feel this way. Mm. So there was nothing, I didn't want to be back with them. There was no um, outcome I wanted to achieve from. I was just thinking about them, making myself upset. So I thought, I'm just not going to let myself think about this. Anytime this comes into my head, just immediately, as soon as I catch it, I'm going to start thinking about something else. And I did that um, with that, that breakup and it changed. It changed me. I, within a, probably a week, I was fucking better. Like I, your brain is so powerful once you learn how to wire and control it. So then I did the same thing. If there was anything, any bad thought, any bad emotion that came, not so much emotion, a bad thought comes into my head and it, and it doesn't serve me, I immediately stop thinking about it. Like if there's a thought that comes into my head that I'm not good enough or I'm never going to make it or that was shit, I just don't let that exist because a little thought can, can grow, grow, grow into something bigger and eventually take over your whole psyche. Now, the trick with that is, and this is something that I've been able to develop over the years, is having that um, ban list in your head where you don't, if, if there's a bad thought that comes in your head that isn't going to serve you, don't let it even start. Change the subject in your mind straight away like you would a TV show that you're not enjoying because it can take over and fester. One bad thought can turn into a bad minute, a bad hour, a bad day, and it can really, really spiral from there. Um, but the trick is, okay, you can do that at the start and that's great, but then you need to to marry that with a level of self-awareness so you're not just not looking for ways you can improve yourself. And the way I've done that and been able to navigate that is I know who I am as a person. I know what my purpose is. I know what my values are. I know what I think and care about. Um, so what any anything that comes bad, I don't have to think about that because I know they're still core, but I know there's still so many ways I can get better. So I can um, view myself uh, as, as whole, but not judge myself for all imperfections. And when I do want to improve myself, just look at myself honestly in the mirror and say, okay, um, I know it, like you might think you're, you're, you're great right now and you don't need these things. But if you think like that, you know you want to end up here in life. If you continue thinking like that and you don't push yourself to grow and become better in all these aspects of your life and your, your personality, it's going to hold you back. So looking at that as an opportunity to become even better rather than, oh, I'm not good enough, I'm shit and taking it as, and having it as something that pulls you backwards in life. For sure. I think that's self-acceptance, isn't it? Mm. Self-acceptance and then from there action yeah and like it's what you just said there before about setting yourself those lofty goals to get out of those tough periods like my life philosophy of the last two and a half years has become purpose fuels progress like if i feel connected to something like if it's rooted in my purpose and there's a goal attached to that then my progress is is just amazing compared to what it has been at other stages in my life where they've been there's been external motivation as opposed to internal and you talk about there, that realisation, starting to discover that connection with the fact that, well, these things that don't make me happy aren't the things I want to be focusing on in my life. Where does business then come into the equation? Mm -hmm. Because you've made one extreme jump from being in law to then being in acting. And now you're a very successful businessman. Correct me if I'm wrong. Now a $40 million business. Mm. Like where does that come to fruition? I, I tell you, um, when people think, oh, you've, like, you've given up on the dream of acting, for example, you've given up the dream of law, blah, blah. None of that's true. It's, it's the same dream. It's just I realised that wasn't what's making me happy. All these things is just my biggest dream in, in life is just to live the best life possible. And, 
and just aim as high as I can and chase whatever's going to be the most in my head at that point of life. What do I think is going to be the coolest thing to do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool. It's like the best, most exciting, most fulfilling. And it's changed. Now I'm really excited about fulfillment. What's really going to fulfill me? I don't really care. Uh, like I'm never going to, I don't want to start a business anymore just for the sake of making money. Like it's not interested in that, but where it came in, I had law. That was the best thing I thought could thought I could do with my life at that time. Realized it wasn't, I wanted to change. What's the most exciting thing I can do now? Taking out who I am in the world. What's the coolest job? I thought at that phase of my life, being a, an actor would be the coolest job. You get to fly around the world, feel, mind you, this is not what the life of an actor really is like. But in your head, I'm like, let's shoot for the stars and let's see if I enjoy the process. Turned out I did enjoy the process. Um, but I did that for like five years. Got an agent, um, did some like small like Aussie stuff and like you get some auditions for big roles. Like you get down to like the final two for like a massive, um, a massive role. There was a movie I was, I was in the final two for. Uh, it was an action movie shooting in the jungles of Thailand, um, which was going to be like an eight week shoot in the jungle, like a sick, like a pretty cool, like the cast was all right, but it was like a, a remake of like an old Van Damme movie. And like, I've been yeah. doing martial arts for like, was I doing martial arts then? I think I was, I've been doing martial arts for like eight. Oh no, I wasn't. Anyway, I just always thought it was cool. And you get there and like, you had to do like each stage was like a first audition and you get a call back. And then the last one is like a director session. Um, and every time I did it, it was the same scene every time. The first time I did it, uh, I felt all right. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I was all right. I feel like I could have done better. Uh, but I'm like, I've definitely done better auditions. I didn't think of anything of it. Like a week later, I get an email from my agent. Oh, like that really, like, this is awesome to like, we, um, they really liked your work. They want to bring you back for a callback. And I was at this agency called Random Management. And they were like the f- kind of the feeder agency, the small agency attached to Morrissey Management, which is like one of the biggest agencies in Australia, like the Hemsworth uh, with them and stuff yeah, like that. Um, and there was a bunch of us from Random and, and um, Morrissey that got put forward. And only two people, one from Random and one from Morrissey, got, got the callback. And these are like actors way better than me. So she's like, this is like really good deal. I'm like, awesome work. I'm like, cool. So that gave me a bit of confidence. And then I did the callback um, and I did even better. I felt better. I was more free within it. I felt like I could let more of myself out. Um, felt pretty good. You never know with these things. And then I got uh, like two weeks later, I got an email from my agent. Um, the director wants to meet you to do, come in on a Sunday and do a director session. The only one from any of the, um, anyone that's managed by the two agencies to do it. And I went there and I did it. The last audition was definitely the best I've done. I left there thinking, fuck yeah, baby. I got this, like, this is my role. This is like, this is my dreams coming true. This is the start of all of that. Um, Cause like, I'm, imagine that, like your first film, sure. feature film filming in like a jungles of Thailand, like a half kind of actiony film, um, six storyline. Like I, well, the storyline was pretty good, but I really liked the character. Like my dad, it was kind of like the premise of it was like, uh, like everyone's thrown in this jungle and like you're in teams of two and you got to like be last man standing. And I was with my dad character who's like a bully and a dick. And I was a bit of like the, so just would have been so much fun. And I smashed the last edition, definitely best I did. Um, and then found out like uh, a week or two later, didn't get the role, which is sweet. That's part of being active. It's like, this just started the thoughts for me. It's like, okay. And I understand this was like, and, and, and everyone in acting knows this was like, but I didn't get the role because um, the other guy like looked more like the dad character. And it's okay. like so many things outside of your control stand in the way. Yeah. And it's like, now I realize, yeah, I actually do, you, you do have more control than you think, particularly when you can create your own reality. But I just started realizing that I'm, if I'm doing acting, I'm always going to be asking for a job. Like, please, sir, can I have the job? Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I never felt like I had full control, even though you do. At that stage of my life, I didn't realize. 
Um, so I thought, okay, how can I chase the best life that I've wanted to live, but have more control over the outcome? Um, so I'm like, let me reset here. I'm going to take some time away from acting. And then like I started working for a corporate company, just doing like sales and business development. Um, and I met this guy at an e-com business, just selling like socks and ties and stuff. Like the first time I'd ever met anyone that had an e-com business and it's just like a little side hustle for him, yeah. bought some stuff to support him. And I realized, wait a minute, if you can do it, fucking hundred percent, I can do it. So then I had a mate who I worked with at a gym. I said, George, bro, I'm thinking I really want to start a business. What do you think? He's like, yeah, man, I've been thinking that too. Let's do something together. Uh, and that turned into Happy Skin Co. Hey, that's wild. And it's, it's funny because that thought there is, I think, a thought that a lot of young Aussies have is let's start a business. The difference is intention is one thing, action is another. Mm -hmm. And to navigate the early stages of business without any real experience without any shoulders within the family or the immediate circle to lean on is it's impressive. So what do you go to? What's the first port of call to go? Well, what are we going to do from mm. a business standpoint? And then how are we going to get this started? Mm. Well, yeah, we both didn't have anyone in our lives that had successful businesses. Definitely didn't know anyone in e-commerce. E and this was what, this was like probably five years ago or so, probably a little bit longer ago, like than that when we started working on it. Um, and this is like before, like e-com was starting to like boom, but it wasn't like not everyone knew what it was. Like now everyone's idea is to start a business. But back then it was kind of the start of, of what's emerged. So we didn't have the resources, the people to lean on to go to. We saw a couple of success stories from Australian entrepreneurs, two guys often that came together and started beauty companies. And obviously me and my mate weren't interested in, in beauty or, or, or laser hair removal. Um, but we just looked at what was working in the market. We saw two two brands stood out as like um, inspirational, aspirational brands for us. It was like Bondi Sands. Yep. Used to, if you wanted to get a fake tan, you would know Soph, producer Soph, that uh, <laughs> you'd want it, you'd have to go book into your petition, go there, or she'd come to your house, set up a tent and like yep. spray you with that. They came out, I don't know if they were the first, but they were the first really that really kicked off in Australia. Put in a tube, do it at home yourself. Sweet. Yep. Then another one who we saw and took a lot of inspiration to start the business from was High Smile. Um, yep. Teeth whitening company, if you used to want to get teeth whitening done, go book an appointment, dentist chair, it's expensive, gives you really sensitive teeth, sure it works really well, but there was a lot of issues with that, killed it and had an absolutely amazing, amazing business, still does to this day. And we thought, okay, what can we do that's a similar premise where we can take a product that what used to be done in a service, you'd have to book something that was more expensive, inconvenient and create a product that allows people to do this at home now, like convenience and, and save time. And this was... Man, we had no idea. We didn't know what Alibaba was. We didn't know what AliExpress was. We didn't know these marketplaces that you could connect with um, distributors and, and manufacturers of products in China. We did not even know. So we just started researching, man. We met up from, we used to work full time. We'd meet up from 7 p.m. to midnight, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then we'd do like pretty much at least a half day on like a Saturday, one of the days and the other day on the weekend, a full day of work, just because we knew we're comfortable with our jobs now. Like I was working in sales, earning a decent amount of money, like for how old I was. Um, but like, is this the life I want to live forever? Mm. No, it's not. So we know, we, okay, we need to carve out time outside of work to build the life that we really want to live. Um, so that was 7 to 12, um, Tuesday, Thursday. And then a lot of our weekends was uh, uh, researching different products, coming up with ideas. One of the ideas we had, man, we weren't, we weren't sure. One of the ideas we honestly chatted about and discussed and thought about was like a vegan dating app. Um, and at the time, um, George was vegetarian. I, I was eating meat. He's like, dude, are you willing to go vegan so we can like really represent this brand? I'm like, fuck, you know, if I have to, I will. 
all just silly shit. And then we saw an ad come up for, it was this little shaver with a light. And it's obviously not what our product is, but we saw that product and we're like, wait a minute, is this a, it doesn't look like, is this like a laser hair removal thing that you can do at home? It wasn't, but then that took us down the path of, fuck, let's create a handset that you can laser hair removal at home. And we started researching technology. Like we said, there wasn't all this um, knowledge that we have now that there's so many people that can teach you how to do it, how they built their businesses, the process. We didn't even know about Alibaba, like I said, to connect us with manufacturers who are making similar stuff. So we re legit reached out to um, pro product engineers to try and work out how to build this thing, how much it would cost. Mind you, we probably both had $10,000 in savings. So we're never going to have enough money to engineer our own product. We looked at burning off the hairs and all this stuff. And I don't know how we got there, how it popped up. As I said, we didn't even know about Alibaba but we found a manufacturer in China that was doing something really similar. They just got the patents for these at-home IPL hair removal handsets, which is essentially laser hair removal at home. Um, and we messaged them like, fuck, they're actually, it exists from six months ago. They paid into these products and they can do it. That's exactly what we're after. We wanted to be able to change a few things because we didn't um, want it exactly how they had it. We reached out um, and boom, there we go. That was how we got the idea. And yeah, we, we as I said, $10,000 each, $20,000 initial investment. Uh, first day, told this story before, we had one sale at 11 o'clock, just before we go to sleep, jumped out of bed, go over, cheesing with champagne. Um, and we're like, dude, this is it. We proved it, like proved the concept. We thought this was going to be a long-term build. Like people are so used to doing laser hair removal at home. Um, I mean, in their clinics, like people are going to take a while to educate them and get them to be okay with the idea of, you know, doing it themselves. Um, second day, no sales, but we're like, that's all good. We see, we, we, we knew it was going to be a long-term build. We were dedicated to, to seeing it through. Like I said, we, we, we could pay our bills, which is always what I recommend to people. Don't go all in with the business um, until you have the funds to be able to facilitate that. Work a job uh, as minimal hours as you can. Get your expenses down so that you have as much time as possible to chase your passions. Then once you've been able to monetize your passions in enough uh, to pay the bills, then it's time to get rid of that work or drop down to part-time, then fully get rid of that work. And then once you go all in, you can obviously be able to generate money following whatever your passion is. Um, but we, ha we, were, we were fine. We had our full-time jobs. Third day, um, we had our first influencer post. Um, he posted about 7.30 at night. And by midnight, we'd made seven and a half grand. Oh, my God. Yeah. So talk to me about that evening when you're looking at the sales coming through, when you're realizing that this isn't just proof, but this is actually $7,500 worth of sales in a night. If we can somewhat continue to track in a positive direction like this, we've got a real business on our hands. I can imagine that the pride, the adulation between each other, the support from family and friends start to pour in. Is there any doubt still at this point in time or is it just pure self-belief and confidence? There's no doubt. There's no doubt the knowing still had to further develop over the next six to nine months, but there was no doubt I was actually shocked by how fast it was happening because the process of building the business was probably about nine months from let's build a business and actually start having those meetings to the time we launched. And um, George would have a park across the road from his house. We'd, we'd work and we'd go across to the road of the park and we'd just sit there, we'd look at the stars, he had a telescope and shit. And we just used to talk about what's going to happen for us, where we're going to take this brand, how it's a amazing product like it's just going to be a matter of time to be successful and that's when i really started practicing like visualization um more more consciously it's like so i just always used to visualize like all these moments of the business getting our first sale making our first million dollars um you know getting our first warehouse i'd visualized and seen these moments so many times and now we had launched and we had seven and a half grand like that it just really reinforced 
fucking no, you're on the right path. You were right to trust your gut and follow this. But looking back, um, there were a lot of really exciting nights in the first couple of months. Looking back, I don't think I realized it at the time, but looking back, honestly, I think that would have been potentially the best day of my life. Definitely the most exciting day of my life because that was when my life went from what it was before to what it to shifted to what it always I knew it always was going to be. And that was the start of the journey. And over the first few weeks when like the sales are up and down at the start, it's really based off who we're working with, what promotions we have on. It's like, and then like I'd be working, I'd go into Corbett, I have my be, one of my best mates, Kev, I showed him the sales in our phone, not to brag, but it was like, this isn't, it's like, dude, how crazy is this? Like, look how much money we've made today. And he was just, everyone was just so excited for me. And then we were able to do that for a few months, um, a, f a couple of weeks. And then, well, actually, I got caught into a meeting with like some of the, 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 the higher ups of the company who were really happy. They were supportive of me building the business. They knew about it the day I launched. They dragged me in, they sit me down. Um, they're like, you, you see this in your contract, it says, um, you can't, uh, you can't have a directorship in any business as a conflict of interest. And they tried to put it on me, make me feel really bad. And I was like, what the fuck is going on here, guys? That's one thing I've always had. I've never, I've always stood up for myself. If I believe in something or I think something's wrong, even in school got me in a little bit of trouble speaking back to teachers. But if I thought, if I really believed in something, I thought something was wrong, I cannot bite my tongue. So guys, what are you, what are you talking about? You've known about this. And now the day I finally launched, you act like it's a problem. Don't try and put this shit on me. You both knew about it. I don't know what you're talking about. I tell you, it's not going to be a problem. When I'm here, I'm here. When I'm at home, I'm working. It's all, I'll do that then. But it's all good. They're like, yeah, cool. Just make sure, blah, blah, And I quit two weeks later. Went full time. Mate, I, I love it. Talk to me about the early pieces of like the success because it would be, you know, probably even from my own naivety before speaking to more people who are entrepreneurs and run businesses, I would listen to that maybe a couple of years ago and think, oh, seven and a half grand in revenue overnight amazing that's some money to spend mm. it's not the case though right like no. you've got to buy more product as the business scales you've got to have more revenue to actually put back into more product mm -hmm. how long did it take to get to a point where it could actually start to facilitate a lifestyle that you could then enjoy the fruits of your labor and it wasn't and, and maybe it's still most of it is back into the business um probably not as long as you would think um but quite a while at the same time. Like, as I said, we quit our jobs after two weeks. We always, we didn't plan to quit it that quick necessarily. Um, we wanted to do it when we could comfortably afford it. Um, and we had to quit our jobs, not we, we wanted to like, fuck yeah, let's dip out of corporate. Like that we had to quit our jobs because we we're finishing work, going back to pack orders and like, we're going to bed at like two o'clock at night and then we have to wake up four hours later to go to work. It just, and then we had so much more work, we needed to do it. But to do that, we sat down with our accountant at the time and we worked out our budgets, go through all our expenses, what's the bare minimum we can pay ourselves to pay all our expenses. And I think it was like 500 bucks a week. Um, so we paid ourselves 500 bucks a week and then all the money we would get for like the first four, four or five months was that we only ordered 110 units at the start. That's all we could afford. It was just expensive product. Um, and then got all the money from that, we bought 200. Got all the money from that, bought 500. Got all the money from that, bought 1,000. And it took us a while. Like we were out of stock. We were sending, I remember, we were sending a le legit cards, like mailed out cards with a, with, a, with, a hand, with, a, with a note saying, we're so sorry, thank you for supporting us. We're trying as fast as I can. Like the demand was popping off like crazy. And we had like a little, I'm sorry, lollipop in there. Like super like, just like two guys just trying to do what they think is right, but I have no idea. Um, but the, the support was fine. Not too many people got angry about the delay or anything like that. It was just so much demand. And we we're spending nearly all our money 
um, in, in new stock for probably about four or five months. But then about four months in, we got our warehouse, hired our first staff. Um, and then after about that six to seven month period, when we had finally caught up on stock and the money was coming in, we're like, okay, we can pay ourselves a thousand bucks a week. Mm. Uh, and then, but we got it. We got like some nice cars pretty soon in like on the business, like not fucking a hundred thousand dollar cars or anything, but got some nice cars, which was a nice upgrade. And then, yeah, from like a, from like towards like 10 months in, like we were living pretty good lives. Mate, I love to hear that because for me, the, the fabric of your early story, um, the trend of your life, what you've told me about who you are thus far, you sound extremely deserving. So I love so much that you're having the success that you're having up until this point now. And I've got no doubt that from here on out, it's just going to be bigger, better, more exciting, more challenges to come, of course. I'm really curious, how does, you know, you're in a business partnership. I'm not sure whether that's still the case with, with George. No, that's actually an interesting story as well. Um, and this is going back to, to doing what feels right for you. He uh, ended up leaving the business like right around the end of the first year. Um, he had his reasons. He wanted to do some different things, take some time. He was going to build an app at one point. Um, it was just right for both of us. Um, I, at the time, I, I thought, fuck, this is going to be a big change. Built a business with, with one, of my, one of my best mates and now I've got to do it all myself. Um, it wasn't what I wanted at the time. I was like, fuck, he's sure. Like you have to do like, but it was best for both of us. I'm telling you, sure. he's done a fucking amazing things, built an amazing company again, fucking killing it. Um, but yeah, so that shifted and then that doing it put a lot more pressure on my plate. But if I didn't have to step up and handle all that additional pressure and expectation, I wouldn't know half of what I know about business today. It's interesting because some people... Um, you tend to see it in romantic relationships, right? Some people will have a relationship finish and they look to fill the void immediately with another person. Was there a part of you that wanted to fill the void of that partnership with a new partner? Or did you go, I need to do me? I No, I thought of it. Um, and in, in some ways I, I did in the sense of um, George was doing like the finance and operations and like that was not my thing. I needed someone to do that. Um, I thought about it. Um, and then I remember I was going to do like a pretty in-depth interview process with some people to handle the, the, the finance and operations. And I went to sit down with my cousin who growing up with my mum and my grandparents was like my older brother. He was the only child. He's six years older than me. And then my younger brother was six years younger than me now. So for six years, it was just us. He lived down the road. We were best friends. We we're like brothers for sure. And I always looked up to him and, and he was really smart in like the different ways to me. Like he was more risk adverse, but he was really smart in terms of like operational and financial things. So like, we had very different ways of thinking, but he was much more traditionally intelligent, in my opinion. Um, yeah, um, so I went to him and I'm like, okay, this is the role I'm hiring for. Um, and I think, and this is like when you start having your first bit of success in business, your family is really supportive, but they don't, I don't think they realize what kind of money we were actually making. And I showed him our P&Ls and I showed him like, I gave him like access to everything. I'm like, okay, what do you think? And he was looking at it, he's like, fuck Dylan, like you got a real business here. Like, you fucking like doing really, really well. I was like, I'm fucking shocked. He's like, and at this point he had been at this role, a large corporate as their finance manager for like five years. And he's like, honestly, man, it's like, I could help you with this stuff. And I looked at him, I go, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I go, fuck, if you would willing to work with me, I would a hundred percent do it in a fucking second. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah. All right. Let me, let me think about this seriously. Thought about it for, we were there, went over numbers. I went, went back home. He called me that afternoon. He's like, you know what, Dylan, let's fucking do it. And I was 
it's one of the uh, the best days in the whole fucking business journey. Like my cousin who I always looked up to as one of my idols, one of my fucking heroes, copied everything he did, cricket, for football team I follow, all that sort of stuff. Um and yeah, so T obviously needed to put in like a, a four week um period because he had a fucking high up role and then he came in and it was f- so much fun. He worked full time with us for probably like two years. He's still uh he's still like right like runs our finances and stuff, but there's just no need for that sort of finance manager in an e-com business at this stage right when you're growing and moving on into all these new markets developing products there is and that two years getting to hang out with my my cousin every day was fucking the best and he showed us fixed so many things we're doing wrong just financially and not understanding the implications of certain things so he added so much value to our business and would have fucking made way less profit if it wasn't for him yeah that's so cool it's it's interesting though because i think as a business owner as the guy who's running the show is it hard to manage family relationships within a business? Because you're still somewhat got to be a boss, right? Um, yes and no. Yeah, yeah, yes and no. Like my brothers work, worked for me for like f- probably four years. Um, that was a bit more of the challenge because he's the younger brother. Um, but no, in terms of my older cousin, no, because like I have 100% trust. Yep. Um, there were t- communication times that... Um, he was trying to explain things to me and I'm like, nah, I don't fucking do it like that. And he's like, whatever. But nah, he, we, we, we figured out pretty quickly. Like there was no blow ups, me and him. Like you'd get as family do every now and then a little bit shitty in the early days trying to communicate through some things. And then he quickly realized the best, like he can tell me these things and show me these things. And he knows it's up to me to make the decision. And he learned that. And then not long after he learned that, I learned that, okay, when, when he's showing me these things, he's probably going to be right. And I should really listen to it and take that advice on board as much as possible. Um, so it was sweet. And yeah, that was another thing brought me and my cousin closer together. That was, that was an awesome part of the journey. And that's what creating your own business can do. It's not just about making money. It's setting up the sort of life that you want to be able to live. Like you can't just go and work with your cousin and your brother. And now since one of my best mates works for me, like I've had so many people, like the best team that the best I've ever had are friends and family or friends of friends. Um, so I love that. Yeah. Mate, I love that so much. It's so good to hear. It's funny. You said earlier, the first spike in business sales was off the back of a piece of influencer marketing. Mm. So during COVID, I, I've never run a business like you've run, but my sister during COVID decided to take what had become like a little craft passion and try to make some money through the break. And so she was making at the time these resin bookmarks. She loves to read. Like mm. she's an avid reader. will read a couple of books a month and just never puts a book down. And I remember she said to me, I'm going to sell these resin bookmarks. And I was like, Okay, like in my head, like I'm so supportive of my sister. Yeah. If she said I'm running for prime minister, I'm backing her. <laughs> like she's just, she, I think she's just so smart and talented and amazing. Like she deserves all the success in life. But I couldn't help but feel like who's going to buy resin bookmarks? So she starts to make these products and credit to her, they looked quite nice and you know, quite labor intensive because she had to do all of that herself, makes it at home and puts all the little pieces together. And... Then she's like starting to sell just a few and then she sends out two to different influencers who do unboxings on their YouTubes and Instagram. One of them was a um, like an actual reading sort of style YouTube channel. The other was Morgan Maroney, Steve Cook's partner. Oh, yeah. Um, and Morgan's got nearly a million followers. She calls me the next morning and goes, I've just had 800 orders <laughs> in two nights. And I'm like, holy fuck. 800, and I'm like, I couldn't believe it. So her house, her and her partner, like it looked like they were living in a Chinese bookmark factory. <laughs> like there were that many bookmarks and she started to make all these other products and now she does a little bit online, looks sort of e-commerce, but does a lot of markets and stuff. 
But to me, it blew my mind. I was like, that's the power of influencer marketing. So to hear you say that doesn't surprise me, but obviously you've done that on a major scale. Has influencer marketing become the backbone of your marketing up until this point? Or has it changed in the years that you've had the business? Uh, it changes, yeah. It, it does change for sure. In the first year, influence marketing was definitely our, our number one channel. But there's only so far you can scale influencer marketing. It's a it's a, a labor-intensive thing to manage that many influencers with a high-value product. Um, so that's been one of the core pillars of our marketing strategy for a long time. But the scale we were able to achieve just from like ad buying, media buying on like Facebook and Google, Instagram, that sort of stuff... Um, that's what allowed us to unlock the business from like doing like, fuck, I can't even like doing from like 10,000 a day to like 30, 40,000 a day from really understanding how to, 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 um, make ads work for you. And then the biggest though, though the biggest spikes when we've made half a million dollars in a day was from major influencers lined up at the same time as a big promotion with our Facebook campaigns. If you understand how to make them work together, mm. that was the way to achieve hyper growth. But then like influencer marketing, it's changed again. Like if we're getting a little bit businessy here, but like to keep long story short, back in the day, if I wanted to sell this water, send to an influencer that do a pretty, pretty, pretty yeah. post and little caption will fucking sell. Now it's not really like that. People like influencer marketing has changed. The algorithms have changed. Like if you want, info marketing is still a really powerful tool, but the content needs to be really good. It needs to be authentic. It needs to be engaging, entertaining. Um, so it is, a, it is a, definitely a part of it. Uh, for people that are just starting out though, um, the best way if you're starting a business and you didn't have a massive budget is just go hard on organic marketing, whether that be, yeah, sure, sending out to a lot of micro-influencers, but the power of Instagram Reels and TikTok, like you can have 10 followers and get a million views on a video yeah. if you make a good piece of content. So that's the main thing now for businesses starting, like really focus on organic content yourself, creating as many cool um, reels and TikToks as you can, but also then scaling that content back with these micro-influencers, get them to share that on their pages, send you the content as well, and then you can repost it and potentially go viral again on your profile. I love that, brother. And I feel like they're a bunch of really helpful tips for people who are trying to figure this out. I've got one more question before we dive into a more consistent theme on the podcast. And something that is, I think, pretty highly pinned on a bunch of your um, sort of social pages is a couple of meetings with some influential people, um, Gary V being one of them, who you, you name-dropped him earlier in the show, and I love Gary. Yeah. Like, especially through my real estate years where sales and connecting with people and marketing was a big part of mm. that business. I learn a lot from a guy like that about authenticity, about the way that you share your story, about the way that you market how did you get to meet Gary? Because you met at his office in New York, right? Yeah. Um, it's not the first time I met him, dude. This is actually my whole life. The last five years has been a testament to the power of law of attraction. People fucking hate that word. Some people visualization, mm. whatever you want to call it. I was talking to someone on a thing yesterday. He's like, no, nah, that doesn't work, bro. I'm like, okay. Um, it does, but like, anyway, so I always visualized being in that, that room where he films those podcasts, his office from back in the day, I was working, I was living still Southwest. So Preston's area for anyone who knows what that is. And I was working in Chatswood, which is like not like past North Sydney. So I was on the train for an hour and a half every day. Um, in the year before I was, um, building, like when I left acting to go corporate to build a business, three hours on a train every single day. So I'm listening to almost exclusively Gary V podcast. And you listen to that much of someone's message. And like, the, honestly, I had the same experience. A lot of people have the first time I listened to him. I'm like, who is this fucking guy? yelling at me, telling me what to do. 
And like you sit through that for the first 20 minutes and you realize, no, this guy is so consistent. He's so authentic. He's telling you the things he really believes in. And I've never, the reason I trust Gary Vee so much, still from the point I've been following maybe the last six years, he's just somehow, he's always fucking right. In terms of changes that are coming to society or cultural views, he's always right. His values are so sound. Um, and not that like he's, he, he predicts everything, but like his core values and what, the way he understands what's important has never missed for me since I've been following him. He's always done really well um, with that. But then I remember, so he was like my main idol in business. Not idol is a stupid word, but this person I watched the most of his content and he really unlocked me trying to become the best version of myself, not just professionally, but as a better human being, develop more patience, more kindness, um, be a better person for people to be around. And I started to view how can I improve my life in all different facets. Um, but so he was major for me. We started the business and the first year we started the business, um, Gary V came to like Sydney as he does probably once a year or whatever. I went to just, it was a success resources event um, and just one person in the crowd, do the meet and greet photo one as you do. Um, and I'm, and I remember lining up, there's probably like a hundred people that paid for the meet and greet tickets and you, you see him, you're getting closer. You're just like, fuck, I'm just going to say hello to this guy. This would be cool. Um, and then you get maybe 20, 30 seconds with him. I'm chatting to him and this guy's just had conversations with a hundred people. And like when he's in that moment with you one-on-one, he's, and he's got, think about how busy this guy is, all the things yeah. he has going on in the world. His focus is 100% dialed in on you. And I've spent a lot of time with friends, family. I've never felt um, someone listen as fully and as wholeheartedly as him and be as present in the moment as him. So that really stood by me. I was like, fuck, this guy is not full of shit. Everything that he talks and preaches, like he is at that level. Anyway, didn't think too much of it. I thought that was sick. But I got a I got an email or a call, an email off the, the people that bought the tickets through. They're like, oh, Gary's doing a, a dinner as well. Probably cost a little bit of money you want to come along to it and um i'm like nah all good like i don't want to pay a couple grand if i can go have dinner with someone I, I don't remember how much it cost and then um i remember regretting not doing that um I'm like why did i say no bro like we're doing really well with business like would have just been like and i suppose that was a little bit of like coming from a lot of money ha not having like abundance mindset quite yet like protecting what you have and like yeah. oh, i don't need to do that but anyway the next year story was coming i actually wasn't going to go to the event but I emailed them. I'm just saying, hey, I know Gary's coming out with you guys again next year or this year. Are these guys doing a dinner again? Like, I'm, I'm keen to do it. Like, we're not doing a dinner this year. But um, Gary's going to do this thing. He's test trialing this thing. So Gary only ever does big, like, events to thousands of people or, like, he'll do, like, consulting with his Vayner Media, like, small group stuff. But he never done small masterminds or seminars or anything like that. He's doing this thing. Um never done it before you, you have to apply to be a part of it essentially it's he's going to spend two days with you in sydney two two days two days in i don't know three days in sydney actually three days in london that's like sydney was first was in like july and then in november you go to london you spend three days with him in london and then in february or january you spend four days with him in new york and i'm like fuck this is the best thing ever so they send me the application you have to put in a little thing obviously what i've done with the business to get it to this point send it through the first stages they success resources have to vet it they vet it they like yeah cool like you this is you'd be you'd be great yeah. to send it through to gary's team then gary's team have to review it because like, he doesn't do this he wants to work with people that he feels like he can actually add value to 
they do it and this the next part tripped me out a lot in terms of like how how funny and how strange life is and how this moment that I'm going to tell you about next really shows that you can make your life whatever you want to be, regardless of how far-fetched you think it is. So I was this, I was this kid from Western Sydney, right? I'm um, listening to Gary on podcasts every day as I catch a train to work. And now they're like, yeah, sweet. The next step is before you can be approved, you need to do a phone call with Gary. I'm like, yeah, sweet eyes. Like, of course. Then I'm sitting in the office. It would have been like 10 o'clock or 10.30 in the morning. I get a phone call and I look and it's a New York number. And I'm just like, fuck, is this really happening? Anyway, I unlock my phone. He's like, yo, what up, Dylan? It's Gary. And I just think, bro, from this kid that started here, I'm getting a phone call from Gary V. Chatted to him for like 10 minutes. He explained what it's about. I told him as soon as he found out my age and it was e-com, he's like, nah, dude, like you have to be a part of it. I'm like, fuck, is Gary V wants me to do it? I'm 100% doing it. So that ended up happening. And then, yeah, spent the three days with him in Sydney, London, and then in in, our, in um, his office in New York and like being in the office in New York and like, remember he was doing this was on the last day we we're hanging out there having some wines um in his office talking and i have videos of this he's just talking like saying like little speech everyone just talking to people and not so much a speech but just a chat and i remember i'm standing in gary v's office this place that i've watched hundreds and hundreds of times before and i look out the windows and it's the new york city skyline and i realized your life is what can be whatever you want it to be there's no limitations, regardless of how fetched you think it can be. You can put yourself in any situation, in any room in the world, if you believe yourself and you work hard. And since that point, I haven't doubted or limited my dreams at all. What you believe is what you'll become. I fucking love that so much. Mm. Bro, such a great story, such a great message. I, I could literally sit here and talk to you for ages. Like, we could talk for hours about this, but mm. I'm mindful we've got two pods to shoot. <laughs> yeah. I want to dive into... The consistent theme of the podcast, which is five questions and five answers, which is usually consistent for everyone, but I think I'll maybe like change today up a little bit and make it very suited to your story. So I know one thing that interests me, um, especially from a personal development standpoint as to what you're doing is if you could recommend one book or one podcast to someone listening, what would it be? There's so many. Um, one, one, one book, I'll tell you from the start, and it is a cliche, but I'm not meaning in a cliche way. And it's not necessarily the best, but it's the book that changed my life. And I've been talking about it. I'm sure you can guess it's the secret. Just watch it with an open mind, whether you think it's true or not. Just understand the, the power of visualization. And whether you, you know, Dr. Joe Dispenza? Yep. Whether you want to get into it in terms of the metaphysics and the science behind it and all that energetic stuff, there's a scientific explanation behind it. Um, I, I don't even feel the need to go into that. I already believe it because I've lived it and believed it. But let's look at it this way. They say that everything on, on earth is energy. This table's energy, your energy, I'm energy. What, if you put out a high vibration, you attract that. If you're a negative person, they're always complaining. What are they attracting to their lives? Negativity. More negativity. If you're a positive person who believes good things will happen, what comes into your life? positive things so if you can pair that with the belief that you can achieve anything and the work behind it and then you are then you are visualizing how you want your life to be regardless of if you believe if you don't want to believe that me visualizing um, being in gary's office did anything if me visualizing creating a business if you don't think that you visualizing your dreams um coming true is going to do anything in, in terms of that energetic level fine but don't but tell me this if you're visualizing you're like oh whoever's this thing think about if you could have anything in the world what type of life you would want to live if you then visualize yourself in that, experiencing that life every single day, living it, experiencing it emotionally, physically, like when I visualize, I feel like I'm time traveling. If you can put yourself there, if you're experiencing these moments every single day, 
for one, there's that energetic shit, but if you don't want to believe it, that's fine. But tell me if you can live in these moments and experience them, see them so clearly every single day, tell me you're not going to be fired up to put the work in and make it happen. Bloody oath. And here's the thing, at worst, at worst, even if all those things that you visualize and want to move towards don't come to fruition, at least you're a better human for the people around you. Exactly. That's the worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's not a fucking bad outcome either. But it's going to take you somewhere. And it's not for always sure. where you want to go, but you'll chase one thing and then this other door open. Then you realize, oh shit, this is actually what I want more than that door. But if I didn't chase that and this moment popped up when it did, I never would have ended up here anyway. Bro, your conviction sells that book. If people aren't picking that up after today, in fact, I think I'll get it on Audible. I'm not much of a reader, mm. more of a listener. Dude, it's even on Netflix for people that aren't even an Audible guy. Oh, that's There's it. a fucking hour and a half one on Netflix. It'll just, it is a bit, it's a bit woo-woo. I don't love it. But just if you don't understand the power of law of attraction and visualization, it just unlocks you, unlocks that for you and shows you what's possible. But Conor McGregor, he, he's become the biggest um, combat sports athlete of all time. He changed the UFC forever. Love him or hate him, he's gone off the rails, he's doing his thing. But this guy says, and it's in his documentary, the thing that changed his life and trajectory of his entire life, his career, everything was watching the secret, reading that book, the secret and understanding the power of visualization. He's been speaking and before he was the champion, when he was a plumber working for $8 an hour on um, checks from the government, mm. he was saying, I'm champion of the world. I'm going to be a champion of the world. He's held that from the earliest interviews all the way through to now. And he attests that to the law of attraction and, and coming across uh, the secret and like how much you visualizing the person you want to be and, and trying to become that person, believing you are that person, it will fucking change your life, man. Mate, I love that so much. Mm. Really beautiful message. My second question for you, is there a skill that you're trying to master or an attribute that you're consistently developing that you think makes you um, just better suited to like enhancing your life? Is there a, say that again for me. So is there a skill that you're in the process of trying to master or an attribute that you're trying to develop that just sets you up for success in your life? For me, yeah. Um, because as you could probably tell, I'm a very energetic person. So that stuff has come naturally to me. But things that I haven't been great at naturally um, is organization and time management. So really setting up and time blocking my time because now I have multiple projects I'm working on at once. I can't just like, if I was just, when I was just working on Happy Skinco, sit at my desk, if I didn't have really that much of a structure in my day, which developed over the years, I'm going to be fucking working on this one thing for 10, 12, 14 hours. I'm going to fucking make shit happen either way. But when there's a lot of different priorities or you're balancing life, relationships, work and a side hustle, being able to really clearly set goals and time block your time to achieve that, um, that's the biggest thing. So trying to get really disciplined. Discipline equals freedom. That's the book I'm reading now from Jocko Willing. Okay. I'm, I've never been naturally um, that disciplined. Well, I say that. Um, I probably am to a lot of people. There's certain things that are harder for me than, than others. Yep. But really trying to integrate that in my life because if you can do that, structure your life, set like set up, always break it down, working backwards from what your goals are, it will allow you to unlock the potential and use this energy and enthusiasm and passion I have for life and maximize that. I love that, man. My third question for you is what in life right now is challenging you the most and what is it requiring of your own personal growth to come out the other side? Yeah, so right now it's probably linked to that. It's, it's managing so many different things having so many massive goals and, 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 and projects I'm responsible for and managing that with multiple different people that I might be partners with in certain things. The, the boys in the podcast, another project I'm working on with them, Happy Skin Co., another business I've got. 
and like being able to put everything I can into that, but still um, have time for myself and my relationship with, with, with my partner Mel, balancing all those things and being able to, because I never switch off, being able to really um, be in the moment and be present in, in just what's right in front of me. Um, so I think that, yeah. Does it make it hard to enjoy everything sometimes when you feel like the stress of managing it all is, is so high? Not really. Okay. Um, it used to 100%, but I just have so much trust in where I'm going that I know there's going to be highs and lows. Like when you have your first low period in business, like, fuck, it's all over. But there's highs and lows all the time and understanding that I know where I'm going. I know what I'm going to achieve. If there's bumps in the road, there's bumps in the road. Um, and not obsessing about controlling every single moment, making every moment, every single part of the process perfect because it's just not realistic. Once you can let go of that perfectionism, um, it'll free you up a lot more to be more creative and be more playful and enjoy life more. Getting rid of the perfectionism I had in life actually made it a lot more um, enjoyable. Things will go wrong. We don't do something to the best of our ability or I don't double check someone's work and it goes live. It's just part of it, man. Take that as a lesson. But if you, it's so much more freeing and you're so much better to just let that go um, in, in just just trust in where you're going and, and, and believe that you'll get there regardless. And I think it's the best way to approach it. Beautifully said. My fourth question is a different one. Um, pitching this just to you based off the story you've told us before we dived into this Q&A is what's the most important thing you learn off Gary Vee? Honestly, and this is a bit more business orientated and it took me a long time to really, really understand this lesson or really commit to it. Um, and you, I'm sure you know, know it too, but like content, like how powerful content is. Mm. It's like media buying is just a skill that works right now and it's something you need. But like if you can understand how to capture human attention and create content that adds value to people, or entertains people, if you can do that effectively, you'll be able to start any business you want anyway. But it took me a long time to like, I was working with him from like, when was that? 20, mid 2019. It took me like two and a half years to start the podcast and, and even more recently start putting out content because like I was so focused on, no, nah, I've got all this work to do. I don't want to do any of that. But the power of putting out content that's authentic to you and sharing your voice and your learnings with people is so powerful. Um, and if you're in business, small business, thinking of getting started, like, as you know, like, well, even another one, Ice is, is a contact yeah. that we should, someone that we've both had on our podcast, both think he's a legend and he'll tell you, like, if he's building a business, he'll, he'll build the audience first and build the business. Yeah. Like he's all in on the content stuff. And that's something that looking back, um, really, really, yeah, really took a lot from, it just took me like, I'm the type of guy you can't tell him something he needs to learn it in his own time. So like, I, I, I understood it, but then like. You're just so busy going through the motions of life. Actually sure. implementing it took a little bit longer than ideally looking back I would have. I love that, man. My last question for you is my favourite. It's a consistent question on the podcast. It's your opportunity to pitch to the world what you think they should know. And the question for you is, if you could share one message with the audience and encourage them to act on that message, what would it be? That's so easy, man. And we've been talking about it the whole time. It's Literally, it's that moment that I had when I was in Gary Vee's office in New York, chatting to him, having a wine, looking out the window. Your life can be anything you want it to be. Don't limit it. it, it whatever the thing that limits us, these limiting beliefs were put into our brains. We're not, it, from just how we live our lives through societal things, it's not true. You can be whoever you want to be. You can be wherever you want to be. You can make your life whatever you want it to be. You genuinely can. I know I've been saying this a lot, but 
the biggest learning I've had from life is that, fuck, man, just go for it. Believe in yourself, make it happen. Dreams do come true. And not only dreams can come true, your dreams can come true. So getting as many people to understand that's possible and then finding ways to do that. Like if I look at my life, for example, I didn't dream of having a laser hair removal business, but having that business has allowed me to then make Gary V to start podcasting, to meet people like you, to, you know, get paid to speak at events, that sort of stuff. Just set a goal and work for it. And I'm telling you, believe in yourself, visualize the process, visualize your goals, anything's possible. Mate, I love your story so much. I love all of your messages here on the podcast today. It is no surprise to me based off the story you've told me as to why you're successful and why you'll continue to be. I love that message there and I couldn't agree with it more. So it's been my absolute privilege to have you on a lot to talk about. I'm going to make sure that everywhere people can connect with you, everywhere people can go ahead and support the business, get amongst it, use your products. will all be within the show description and the show notes. Mate, Dylan Mullen, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thank you for your time. Cheers, brother. Cheers.